read verses 1 uh, through 18 of James chapter 3. Sorry, not James chapter 1, that was last week. And uh, so what we're going to look at tonight here is, is our second installment of our Pure uh, series. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James chapter 3, or you can read from the screen this evening. Uh, that's fine. But we're opening up with the Bible saying in James chapter 3 and in verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ship, which though be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, uh, which though be, I'm sorry, fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hound, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a, a matter of a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison." Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either the vine of figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So in our second installment tonight in our series on pure or pure series, is last week we looked at pure worship. This week I want us to look at pure wisdom, pure wisdom. And essentially we want to understand the truth about heavenly wisdom tonight. Wisdom this evening that is bestowed upon us from God the Father, from heaven and not from this world. The spiritual wisdom of which James speaks of here is very important for us to understand. I, I know in, over the summertime we spent weeks uh, in the book of James, especially in our midweek services. Even a year ago, I went through a load of. I've been in James for a long time, and it doesn't seem. I just keep getting pulled back in, and I can't explain why, but that's just the way it's kind of working out as of right now. But James is that type of preacher. He's that punch-you-in-the-mouth preacher. It's a shock and all. He just puts it out there. He doesn't candy coat it. There's no disclaimer. There's not even a warning with his type of preaching and writing that we have, and it's all inspired of the Holy Spirit of God. But we find in James 3, when he speaks of this wisdom, it is a practical 
and a relational wisdom. It's evidence in godly attitudes and godly actions in the brethren, in the believers. He, he, he makes it very clear who he's speaking to. My brethren, saved, born-again people, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, those who we just, we just sang four songs just a moment ago that sang about what the Lord had done for us and reconciled and quickened us from death unto life and brought us back. I mean, all of these different things, that's who James is writing to. He's not writing to the lost. This is not a salvation sermon, but more of a practical, relational sermon for our lives. The outward sign of heavenly wisdom is gentle. It's a humble spirit. The Bible tells us of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was meek and lowly in heart, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I think we learned in a sermon uh, quite a long time ago uh, that the yoke of the Lord was a yoke of kindness. You know, there's a difference between the word uh, nice, the, the original word for nice, and uh, I believe if we even go back to the Greek and then ties into the Latin, it actually means ignorant. The Lord was not, the Lord was not nice. And the words that he said, and he, I mean, a lot of the words, they were harsh to people, but they were true and they were kind. Many a times there's things that you're going to have to say in your life to those that you love more than anything. It's going to be harsh, and it's going to be rough, but it's going to be out of kindness and love. That's what the Lord says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. So uh, the truly uh, wisdom or a person who is wise, we have a, they have a hallmark of genuine humility in their life. Real humility, not humility that has to be emphasized, not a false humility, but clothed with humility in their life. A humble spirit. So the wisdom the Lord has given is the wisdom that comes from above. And this wisdom is not hard. It's not hard. Verses 13 to 14 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? He says, let him show out of, the, out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Beloved, hardness in a man's heart is, is evidence of bitterness which is rooted and grounded from the wickedness of their own heart. When it's not natural for us to have a hardened heart. We were talking here just a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, There's two or three of us that were chatting about just the, I remember, I remember the turn in the telly in the movies, and I was still yet a young man and uh, maybe even a teenager that, that the people that they started making movies about anymore, that the, the, the hero seemed to change who it was. The hero was always, you know, the, uh, the good guy, the good girl. That's who it was. And then all of a sudden, everyone became this hardened, crusted-looking people, that people would walk around, and they'd be like this. You know, they just looked hard. I'm saying that, I, and I do realize I have a naturally resting, mean-looking face. I, that's why I got wrinkles on my forehead, because I do this. I'm trying to keep my eyes open so I, don't, so I look nice. And I do, so I, I'm saying that because <laughs> I don't want you to come to me and go, hey, you being mean? No, I'm not being mean. This is just the way it rests, and I'm sorry, so... I got one face and that's it. But the wisdom that God gives us is not a hard wisdom and a hard attribute. 
In Luke chapter 6 and in verse 45, the Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, really and truly, I, I, I talked to a girl the other day. I used this illustration uh, down here in, in a sermon quite a long time ago. And uh, uh, she had came out of the, uh, the, the locker room, and she was all flustered and angry. And she said, BJ, I'm so furious. I'm like, what happened? Da, 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 da. And I guess some, some lady told her off and, and asked her if she needed a man to come pick something up. And this girl's pretty strong, you know. And, and I kind of chuckled, and I was like, oh, you're stronger than most of them. And she is, stronger than most of the men in this area. And uh, so we were just kind of chuckling. She goes, and she was still breathing hard. You could see she was visibly angry at this. And I said, hey, man, hang on a second. And I gave her a little forearm, all right, a little forearm on the side. It kind of knocked her over a couple of steps. I said, now I want you to imagine if you had a coffee cup in your hand. What would have happened? She goes, I would have spilt it all over the place. I was like, that which on the inside would come out, wouldn't it? She goes, well, yeah. I said, well, so when you get shaken up, when somebody shakes you and rattles you, what's on the inside comes out. So right now, what's on the inside of you is coming out because this lady shook you. And I said, don't be shaking. Don't let it. Just water for ducks back. You know, give her a fist bump, say, hey, thank you. No, I think I got it. I'm good, you know, and, and roll from there. Don't let it shake you, and that which is coming out. Guys, so it's evidence in our life. If we've allowed our heart to get hard, what comes out in our words? The words and actions of mankind are revealed. It reveals what's in their heart. And, beloved, I mean, did you know that hardness, hardness is a learned action of men and women. You're not born naturally with a hardened heart. Romans in chapter 2 and verse 5 says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He says, Thy hardness and impenitent heart, meaning someone's refused, they turn their back to uh, repent of their wrongdoings. A child is not born hard. He or she does not come from the womb with a hardened heart. That does not exist. A child's heart is supple. A child's heart is simple. And a child's heart is sweet. Now, every baby is nurtured in a way they are to live. And yes, there is a natural, sinful state inside every single soul, which is going to produce rebellion in the heart and life of every, even the youngest child. That's why we're giving children to raise. That's why we don't just pop them out and send them out there into the world and, and let them raise themselves. Amen? The Bible tells us that the fruit of the womb, fruit of the womb is, is the heritage of the Lord. Amen. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he, he will not depart from it. It's our duty and responsibility to correct them when they're wrong and to bless them when they're right. And trust me, it's a heavy burden. And I got news for you young parents. It don't stop when they go out of the house. Amen. It don't stop when they go out of the house. You're going to keep doing it the rest of their life because that's what you signed on when you became mama and daddy. Amen. Hardness is different. Hardness is different than that natural desire to rebel, you know. Um, hardness is developed over time. It's like the calluses on our hands. The calluses, why do calluses occur? For you chalk addicts, I'm going to throw this out there, all right? I hate chalk, by the way. Can't stand it, all right? I use it when I do the, some of the rig work very rarely, but outside. Do you know what chalk does? It causes friction. You know what friction does? It causes heat. You know what heat does? It causes calluses. Okay? Let's just make that clear. 
You know, I saw somebody the other day chalking up their hands like, and, and I, I, I just, I put my head down. I wanted to cry. I mean, they were chalking their hands up for the blinking rower, man. Like, what are you worried about? You're, are you going to fall off the, was that one of you guys? That did? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Em's looking, they're like, it wasn't me, I promise. <laughs> but... I tell you, if I could chuck that chalk bucket outside, man, I would. But anyway, I understand there's a time and there's a place for it. Five-degree weather in Wales is not the time and place for it, you know. But calluses occur over time. And as, as the heat and as the, as the friction occurs, uh, you know, the coefficient of friction, it causes the heat. And as the heat breaks, it gets the heat, it starts breaking down the epithelial cells, and your body's laying more and more and more. So you had all these, these dead skin cells sitting on top of these living skin cells. And the body's saying, I'm going to kill these, but I'm going to hold on to them so it protects that which I'm making new. And it makes this layer on the outside of the fresh so that nothing can get in. That's what hardness is. The Bible speaks of a man's, man and woman's conscience in 1 Timothy 4, 2, saying, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We missed one there. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I had a couple steaks yesterday. I had a friend of ours down in Cornwall sent me a big old pack. of about 12 steaks. And so what I did, we bought a cast iron skillet. <laughs> and... Uh, I got that thing in the oven. I don't have a grill. And I got that thing in the oven, and I heated that thing up. Man, I mean hot, you know? Put me a little oil inside there. And um, this is what I was doing when you were on the way home. That's, I just figured it out now. This little day was a blur. But, and I took that thing out nice and hot, and I stuck that steak on it for about 30 seconds on one side, and it sizzled, man. I flipped it over, and I put it on there the other side for about 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then I did the sides and the top. I did everything that was exposed on the outside, all right? And then I stuck it on that skillet, and I put that thing back in the oven for about eight minutes. And it was good, all right? I'm saying that to say this. Why do we sear a steak? We sear to keep things in, don't we? But when you sear the outside of anything, you're not only keeping that which is in coming out, but you're keeping that which needs to go in from going inside. When we seed our conscience with a hot iron, we harden that heart with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, yeah, but the Holy Spirit of God, listen, the Holy Spirit of God is big. He can do anything he wants to. Yeah, but you know what the Holy Spirit of God is not going to do? He ain't going to force you to do something you should be doing. Amen? I can't, how many, I can't tell you how many times I, I speak to people who's, who, who just continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And they're like, preacher, I just don't understand. I've asked God to take X, Y, Z away from me. I said, he's going to take it away from you. One out of every hundred, he may take it away from you. But he's given you the tools in this word of God on your knees in prayer and your brain between your ears to get it out of your own life. Amen. That's my God. Amen. We talked about this when, uh, when we preached on Joshua, when, when Israel came to the Jordan River, and all of the God had provided everything for 40 years for the nation of Israel going through that wilderness, but it's go time now. He says, you know what? I'm going to separate this, uh, this River Jordan. When those priests step out of that water, that water's going to stand up on end to end, but if you want what's in the promised land, you're going to have to get up and go and get it yourself. Amen. So, beloved, in our life today, there are things that God is going to provide for you. He is going to protect you. He is going to give you the people in your life. He's going to open every single door that you can imagine. But he's going to ask you, take that step forward. 
Take that step forward. Leave that heart to get that wisdom which is from above and get that heart to remain to be supple and soft and tender so the Holy Spirit of God, which is called the Comforter, mind you. So many people are afraid of the Holy Spirit because they're afraid what He's going to ask them to do. Listen, if the Holy Spirit of God leads and directs you to do something, that's the best place you can ever be in your entire life. I mean, you thinking, I never in my born days thought that I would pick my family up from Middle Tennessee and move them 5,000 miles to another country. Never thought that. But I sat there and I prayed. Matter of fact, about 15 miles north of where we are right now, Denise was at a ladies' devotion, and I, the Lord was not letting me sleep, not letting me sleep, because I don't think I'd fully surrender to moving. And I rolled out of that bed, and I grabbed a Bible that was on that shelf. It wasn't even mine. We was in, staying in somebody's house. A lady had passed away. It was a friend of mine's church, and they'd given it as a, as a uh, uh, missions house. And I grabbed that Bible, and I flipped to John 14, and for 60 minutes I read and wept over John 14, let not your heart be troubled. He said, I'm going to send you the comforter, amen. And it was at that moment I fully surrendered. God has blessed ever since. Has there been trying times? Yeah. Has there been dark times? Yep. Has there been hard times? You better believe it. Every week. Has it been worth it? Yeah, it has. Guys, I'm here to tell you that the wisdom that comes from above, it's not hard. It should not turn you hard. You should not allow that repeatedness of, 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 of being searing in that conscience and rejecting what the Holy Spirit of God is calling you to do. A man who, who will say they have knowledge or say they have wisdom, but if they hold bitterness into their uh, hardened heart, they are a hypocrite. They are not a wise man or a woman, but rather they're lying against the truth. And that's what James is saying. No matter what their deeds are, no matter what their words are, if you have a hardened heart, guys, our life is going to be filled with hypocrisy and our conscience is seared and the Lord can't even speak to us. So the wisdom the Lord gives, number one, is not hard. But then we're going to flip the coin just a little bit here on the second point. The wisdom that comes from this world, okay, the wisdom that is not from above is not healthy. It's not healthy. Verse 16 says, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Beloved, envy and strife are the elements of destruction. Greater than any other in this world. More families, churches, businesses, friendships, hall, whatever you want to say, you name it. They have been destroyed by envy and strife. Solomon said this, he said in Proverbs 16, 28, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. Earthly wisdom will result in sowing strife, not heavenly wisdom, because it seeks to glorify itself and itself alone. We live in a world today, I, I, I saw a post by a preacher the other day that made this comment. He was going off on, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess if it moved, he was ranting about it. And, and down to the bottom of his message, he used these phrase, he used this phrase about influential ministries, certain particular influential ministries. And I thought to myself, dude, what you have is either a Bible college or an institution that you have set up as your idol. And, that, and your goal is to be an influential organization. You've been something along the line where you just you want to make a name for yourself. And I got news for you. That is an unhealthy wisdom, and it comes straightly from the world, and it is created in bitterness and strife and envy. 
seeks to glorify itself. It does not matter if there is a, an appearance of godly means. It's rooted in self-glorification. You may have some people in your life that cause strife, that cause contention, that they're bitter, they're envy. I've watched envy destroy people in ways. I've seen men who are seemingly at one time good men go after another godly man because of one reason, envy. King Saul wasn't a good king. He was actually one of the worst that Israel ever had. He was their first. But King Saul was carnal, and David was not. David was anointed of God. We understand that. But there was a moment when they ascribed David his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. And from, the Bible says from that moment forward, he envied David. He eyed him, and he went out to Saul to kill him. You say, oh, preacher, I'd never, I'd never throw a javelin at anybody try to kill them. Yeah, but you may with your words. You may with your post. We talked about character assassination last week, did we not? We'll give you a little bit of advice. If you have people in your life that are filled with bitterness, they have a root of envy inside of them, and maybe it's not coming your way right now, cut them off. Now, you may see a preacher, but I want to help them and win them. You cut them off. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. There are some hard decisions that we as believers have to make to set ourselves apart from the world, yet still trying to win the world, to love them with peace and grace and, and truth and honor. But when it comes to envy and strife and bitterness and those that be meddling, you cut them off as quick as you can because you can't stand against envy. You can't stand against it. Strife is deadly. Put away strife is the honorable and the healthy thing to do. So here we go, last point. We've already said that the, the wisdom which is from above is not hard. The wisdom from below is not healthy. But the wisdom which God gives is heavenly, and that's the beauty of it. Verses 17 and 18 say, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them, watch this, that make peace. Sown in them that make peace. Oh, preacher, I just want peace in my life. I'm going to pray for peace. Well, good. Now you pray for peace, and what's going to happen is God's going to give you an opportunity to make peace. Amen? I remember the last time was 1999, I prayed for strength. I ain't prayed for strength ever again. Because you know how you get strength? Trials and tribulations. Amen? That's how you get it. They come by way of, they come by way of, uh, that's how, where patience comes from. Amen? I remember we were closing in prayer that night up in front of the church. It was before I was pastor and I was a preacher and a deacon. And I prayed, I said that prayer, and there's an old buck in the front, the front row right there, and this is what I heard. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and I went, man, why did he say that? Well, I, the next six months, I found out why he said that. Amen. 
Pray for peace. You ought to pray for peace. God will let you have peace, but he's going to bless you with the fruit of righteousness for those that make peace in life. The Bible says, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. There's some things that is inside of you. Guys, there's some people, you're not going to live peaceably with them. What do you do? You cut them off, man. You say, well, preacher, you're an only child. It's easy for you to say that. It ain't easy, you know. But I am telling you, if you want to guard your heart and guard your life and guard your family, guard your sanity, there are some people that you're going to have to cut off. Heavenly wisdom comes from, from God, and it has the following characteristics, and we're done. It's pure in thoughts. Heavenly wisdom is pure in words, deeds, spirit, body, doctrine, practice, faith, and morals. It is pure, guys. It's the pure wisdom. It is peaceable uh, with love uh, to maintain peace in every situation. Watch this without sacrificing its purity. Purity is one thing you never get back. Once, you're, once purity is lost, it is history. You'll never have it back. There are some things in our life that God has given us that he's allowed us to have and to hold to and to keep. And then once they're gone, they are gone completely. And purity is one of them. You see, I want to live peaceable with everyone in every situation. I do. I don't want to have confrontation. I'm not afraid of confrontation, but I don't want it. So what the world says do is to come over here and just hug and hold, no matter what it is, let's just make friends and we kiss it and, and we bow down and we, uh, we'll just live peaceably. I'll tell you what, why don't you try to live peaceably with a full-grown tiger? Get in that cage and love on it all you want. That thing's going to eat you, man. And that's what's going to happen to the world. That's what's going to happen to it, it, with the world. When you keep trying to love on it and live peaceably, you're, if you sacrifice the purity of wisdom, trying to live peaceably with the world situation, you're going to lose it all. But heavenly wisdom is peaceable with love, maintaining peace in every situation without sacrificing purity. Heavenly wisdom is gentle. It's courteous. Boy, I could preach on courteous, couldn't we? Man, we've lost that in our society, haven't we? You know, you know what I struggle with, guys? I'm going to tell you what I struggle with. I struggle with when walking down the pavement and people won't even look at you. My dog struggles with that. He stares at them as they walk by and sits. And, when you say hello to me, he doesn't understand it. The dog doesn't understand it. Dog's smarter than most people we know, man. I mean, I, I say hello. What does hello? It costs you nothing. It's it's a millisecond, man. Just say good morning, good afternoon. How you doing? Not asking for a fist bump or a loan. Just say hello to someone, amen. But that's what the wisdom from above comes. It gives. It allows you to be courteous to people, to allow people to go in front of you, to open a door for someone. My children were raised. My boys were raised to open doors for ladies. To open door for people when they would walk into the store, they would open the door for them and they would let them go through. And I've watched my children as they would go to 10, 15 people go through to where I just stood there going, that's fine, you know, because that's we told them to do that and that's what they do. Heavenly wisdom is respectful of the feelings of others. Heavenly wisdom, guys, listen carefully, it's willing to yield. Husbands, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. You don't have to win every battle. 
You don't have to, you don't have to win every, every battle. You're going to lose the war trying to win every battle. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching to myself right now because I don't like being wrong. I'm, I'm, I'll be flat honest with you. I'm one of the, I hate being wrong and I hate losing. Somebody asked me, are you a sore loser? Yeah, I'm a sore loser. You want to be a good loser? Yeah, I lost. No, that's not me, man. But when it comes to that relationship, both husband and wives, heavenly wisdom is willing to yield. It's willing to be open to reason. It's, it's ready to give in when truth requires it. And there's sometimes you just yield for the improvement and the betterment of your relationship. Heavenly wisdom, guys, is relational. We opened up with that. It is practical. We opened up with that tonight. It's full of mercy to those who are wrong. And it's eager to help those find the right way. It's full of good fruits by being compassionate and kind. It's without partiality and it does not produce favoritism. It's without hypocrisy, guys, being sincere and genuine. That's what pure wisdom is about. The wisdom which comes from God is first pure. It promotes and it's peaceable and it ends in righteousness. So through heavenly wisdom, guys, we have the ability to view life from God's perspective with the mental perception and comprehension that God bestows upon us. I'll close with this question and thought. Is there bitterness or envy in your heart? I don't know. This is just part of a series, guys. I don't know. Are you speaking from God's wisdom when you make decisions in your life? Or wisdom of this world? Let me ask you this question. I'll come over and have you do it. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm asking you a question. I'm not even going to look at anybody. But are you a peacemaker? Or are you a troublemaker? I can't tell you how many phone calls I've received, and the majority of them are men, complaining about this and, and complaining. And again, guys, listen, don't take that wrong what I'm saying. If you've got to complain about anything at all, call me. I'll be your ear. I'll be your shoulder. I'll be whatever you need me to be. I'm not saying this, saying not call. What I'm saying is for the last 30 years in the ministry, I've had conversations with men that find something wrong with every church and every business and every home they go to. And usually I got to stop them and say, you know, there's a common denominator here, isn't there? And I don't think it's every church that you're going to. I don't think it's every job you've had. I think it's you, brother. Ask yourself tonight, are you a peacemaker? Or are you a troublemaker? If our hearts are right before God, he will use our words to produce the right kind of fruit in our life. And that's where I want to be. Our outward behavior will reflect if you are wise as we control our tongues and we place our mind deliberately under the authority of God Almighty and allow him to control it. Allow him to lead us. Allow him to direct you. So ask God tonight. If you want wisdom this evening, ask God to give it to you. 
He may put you in a situation where you have to practice it. He may just give it to you in general. He may give you a Bible verse for the day. He may give you all three. But I can promise you this tonight, that if you want the heavenly wisdom that is from above, if you ask the Lord anything in the name of Jesus Christ, he's going to answer it according to his will. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for this message tonight. We pray that you'd write it upon the table of our hearts, Father, even as we close our song this evening, I are closing our song in this service. Father, I pray that we'd be mindful of what we've just heard. And Father, we'd be willing to, as we go through these doors and over the next several days, come back to this thought of the heavenly wisdom, our actions and attitude toward those that are around us, recognizing those, Father, who may be filled with envy and bitterness, Lord, that we make the honorable thing to remove them from our lives, but remembering those who need help in our days. Father, I love you and I thank you, and I do ask this prayer right now. I pray that each one of us here this evening, between now and tomorrow night, have an opportunity to exercise the heavenly wisdom that you will freely give in the lives of someone else that the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone may be glorified. We ask these things in the name of this, our Savior, the Son of God, Jesus our Lord. Amen. And amen. I hope and pray that the preaching and teaching was a blessing to your heart this evening.